Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, the worldwide chip shortage explained and why it might get worse, why everyone's excited about an Echo show you can stick on a wall, and CD Projekt Red's fight against ransomware. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, February 9th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Joining us, senior editor at CNET, Ashley Esqueda is back on the show. Welcome back, Ashley. Oh, thanks for having me back, guys. Happy 2021. Happy 2020 and part also two. also to you. <laughs> it's good to have you. Uh, we were just talking about historical baked goods, like making beer and bread and things from ancient yeast that was on good day internet if you'd like that wider conversation become a member at patreon.com slash dtns let's start with a few tech things you should know Google removed the popular barcode scanner app from the Play Store after security researchers at Malwarebytes found the latest release contained malware. The app had been downloaded more than 10 million times and was previously part of Google's official Play Pass program. Two months after acquiring Uber's autonomous car business, Aurora announced it will partner with Toyota and auto parts supplier Denso to create a fleet of robotaxis. Aurora will integrate its system into a fleet of Toyota Siennas for testing by the end of 2021, and the three companies intend to eventually market their vehicles to ride-hailing networks like Uber's. Qualcomm unveiled two new 5G modems, the Snapdragon X65 and X62, both which promise better battery life, with the X65 supporting downloads up to 10 gigabits per second, as well as aggregating several sub-6 gigahertz networks for a faster connection. The X62 supports a 4.4 gigabit per second download. Shopify announced a partnership with Facebook to bring its Shop Pay payment option to merchants on Instagram in the U.S., followed by Facebook a few weeks later. When checking out using ShopPay on the platforms, users will receive a confirmation code on their phone, which they can then enter in the app to complete the transaction. 
In an interview with Bloomberg, OnePlus co-founder Carl Pei said his new company, called Nothing, plans to release a pair of wireless earbuds this summer with other products following later in the year. Pei said that Nothing is planning a full ecosystem of devices that connect to each other. Pei's former company, OnePlus, which he left in late 2020, released its first pair of true wireless earbuds last year. Pei left OnePlus again in late 2020. What are you leaving OnePlus for? Nothing. Literally. All right. Just doing it. Let's talk a little more about that weird Echo Show thing. (laughs) Well, it's weird or cool. You be the judge. Bloomberg sources say Amazon's Lab 126 is developing a wall-mounted smart home control panel with its voice assistant built in. The display would be 10 or 13 inches. Who knows? Maybe both. Similar control panels are available from Control 4 and Savant, which can control things like lights, your locks, play your music, and some models that can also do video chat. Amazon's device would reportedly include a camera and a mic. Now, Amazon supposedly hopes to bring it out by the end of this year, perhaps next year, for between $200 and $250. I'm a little befuddled why this is getting so much attention. Like I saw it everywhere. Everybody's we're all excited uh, uh, about an Echo Show you can stick on a wall, which I I get, I guess, but you can do that mm. now with some kits. It's not as nice as having it from a company. And if this was Amazon announcing it, it would be interesting to me. But Ashley, do do you have any insight on on why people are so excited about this now when it's just a leak? You know, no. I have no insight on why people are so jazzed about this. Um, I like, I guess like for me, I'm really surprised about the chatter just because, you know, Facebook portal, like people did not like this idea of having this like big screen with Facebook watching your house all the time. Like, and so I'm surprised this is like kind of a similar thing. Like obviously there's smart home functionality built in that Facebook doesn't offer but it it really surprises me that people are like oh yeah okay well this i can get on board with like i'm this is not a problem i mean maybe the pandemic has made us all Mm. a little prime a little prime primed for prime and primed for amazon for home things yeah to be doing these things um and uh but i also find it really hilarious that it seems like the older millennials who grew up watching disney movies like smart home or smart house are now like making these products, which is basically <laughs> like, it reminds me of like that exact thing where it's like, Oh, this is going to make your whole house so smart. It's going to talk to you. Um, I do hope, uh, let me ask you this. Okay. So would this be more or less interesting to you if it, if they offered a really cheap version of this that did not have a mic and that did not have a microphone? Or a I mean, camera. People would almost pay more for not having those. It's, you know, you just, <laughs> right. definitely two camps involved. This is this one. I don't know. I mean, I have an Echo Show. It was a previous Live with It uh, review, and you I like, like it. it? You, you use it all the time. Okay. But it is the it's form factor. Sure, it could be mounted on a wall. It would stick out a bit because it's it's a it's not super thick, but it is a wedge shape because mm-hmm. you got a speaker in the back and the whole thing. You'd have to hide the cord somehow. I mean, there must be enough of a market or Amazon at least think so of people saying, well, I really like that, but you got to put it on top of something. And I'm like sick of putting things on top of dressers or, you know, having Mm -hmm. a shelf on the wall that this would be part of almost like the new TVs, you know, that we've been seeing over the last couple of years at CES that are thinner than ever and designed to look like a picture frame, but it's a TV. And it's like, well, I mean, it's a TV, but 
the form factor is cool enough for people to go, hmm, we're reimagining this. I, I t- prefer the Echo Show that I have. I, I've had it in all sorts of corners of my house just to kind of see how it works in different places. I would greatly prefer being able to have something that is going to do exactly what this device is purportedly going to do. You know, can control my lights. I can do video chats. I can look up things on the internet. I can add to my grocery list. I can do all the Amazon-y things that I want to do. It just wouldn't be super uh, flush with a wall if I put it there. Mm. There must be a lot of people using their Echo shows for smart home wishing like, oh man, if only I could put it up on the wall. Uh, uh, But wouldn't you want something more versatile? Like for, okay, so like here's a good example, right? So I have like literally right here, I have mobile by peak design, which is like, you know, they use the magnets. It's like a mounting system and you can like, they have a wall mount that's really strong and you can just throw your phone or your tablet up on the wall. Like that's great. Yeah, you could just buy a fire tablet and do that, I guess, right? Well, or why wouldn't they just make an Echo tablet like that is specifically I mean, that is designed like sort of what this would be, which is what this is, but then make it versatile enough to yeah. take it off your wall. Like you don't have to wall mount it. You know what I mean? Like right. it has a system where you can just pull it off the wall or you can just pop it back up there. Well, folks, uh, we invite you to break us out of our bubble. Uh, if you're like, no, 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 you're missing it. This is exactly why this is great. Uh, send us an email no, feedback at daily A worldwide chip shortage is growing. NXP and Infineon both say that chip constraints are no longer limited to just their automotive lines. Apple and Sony both have said their newest models are affected by production bottlenecks, component shortages. How did we get here? Well, the automotive sector felt the pinch first. We've talked about that before on DTNS. Car makers cut orders when the pandemic hit, and when car demand returned, the chip factories were all maxed out making chips for consumer electronics, which never experienced a downturn. In fact, they experienced a surge as people began working from home in greater numbers. As a result, car companies have felt the pinch. GM has had to temporarily shut down three North American plants. Ford estimates a 20% drop in output because they can't get the chips they need. And demand for consumer electronics has not slowed, in part driven by a stronger-than-expected demand for 5G devices. There's also a cascading effect of stockpiling. Huawei began stockpiling components in order to survive the U.S. trade restrictions. That caused other companies, including Apple, to create their own reserves because they didn't want to get caught unable to get their parts. And as the situation continues, more companies that make products with chips from phones right on down to air purifiers have started to stockpile their parts to avoid uncertainty. It's the same phenomenon that causes toilet paper to disappear from the shelves. Everybody's worried that they're going to run out, so they start stockpiling, which causes a shortage. Plus, all the chip plants are hitting up against new capacity limits caused by social distancing and other COVID-19 protocols that allow them to stay open and working, but take a different approach to how you use the space. Now, the usual way you would boost production is open a new production line or a new plant, but that can take years. The shortages are expected to spread to more sectors as economies reopen. In fact, Minabe Mitsumi's CEO noted Friday that airlines are scrapping a lot of their older planes right now because consumer demand is so low, but they will eventually bounce back 
and possibly cause a spike in demand for aviation components. That's just one example of other industries that aren't in a chip shortage now that could contribute to this. U.S. officials met Friday with the Semiconductor Industry Association, including representatives from Qualcomm, Corning, and TSMC, to discuss the situation. But something to keep an eye on is, you know, your product's may get a little more expensive or maybe a little harder to get a hold of beyond just the PlayStation uh, as this chip shortage unfolds. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, it feels very supply and demand, right? Like, okay, we've, you know, we're, we're, we're out of balance, at least how companies feel comfortable or have felt comfortable up until, you know, the last year plus at this point. So it'll even out, but yeah, how long and how much will consumers either not be able to get the products that they want at all or uh, be faced with price hikes that are, you know, not sustainable either? Go ahead, Ashley. I cut you off. No, no, I, I agree with you. And the thing is, is it's it's really if you see it like it's Tom, you mentioned the toilet paper thing is like exactly what it is, but with technology and parts. And if we end up you know, in a place where we're actually in a similar place right now that that we have been for a while with graphics cards, right? So it's like people cannot get these products. And so it just, for me as a a, a person who needs, you know, maybe an upgrade this year, my my desktop PC is five or six years old now. Like it's, it was definitely time. And then, you know, just by circumstance now, I cannot upgrade like it's just not available the things i need the components i need are not available to me and so people like you said sarah are either going to be charged more which is which means maybe less people can afford to buy in because lots of people are unemployed underemployed um you know they just don't have the ability to shell out that kind of money right now they are or it's it's what we're seeing which is bots who are going out buying you know these components like graphics cards and then reselling them for an obscene amount of money which again prices people out or people just say well i guess i'm just going to have to wait which also does not put money like back into the economy and it just it's like a weird spiral that is not good like it's such a it's such a not great situation for everybody like not just you know I know that like somebody like my mom might be like, well, a worldwide chip shortage, like, well, I, I have a computer, it's fine. But it's like, it really does affect, you know, like if, if she wants to do business with somebody who hasn't upgraded their systems and needs to, or if she, you know, it's, it's just a really, it's a really large problem. And it's, it's really scary like yeah. that. Now everybody's stockpiling, which makes it, it's a shortage is even worse. And it's just, it's no good. It's no good at all. And I don't know what, I don't know how you fix it. Right. It's like, how do you, how do you fix that problem yeah. without fixing everything else? It's a I logistic mean, cap problem, companies right? from being able to buy too many things. You yeah, know, that's, might that's be a, messy might be too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the, and the thing is like, it's, it's a problem of behavior. The capacity's fine. We, we probably have enough capacity. Maybe we could add a few more plants, but we probably don't even need them. We just need to get through this part. But that's the big question. Right. How do you get through this part? The only way out is through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Relogic, uh, if you aren't familiar, it's an independent game developer outside of Louisville in rural Indiana. It's a small company, but it's been releasing games since 2011. It's been around for a while on multiple platforms and is best known for publishing a 2D action adventure game called Terraria. Relogic has a YouTube account, has a lot of its own game trailers on that account. Last time it posted the account was three months ago, so fairly recently. However, 
Three weeks ago, YouTube sent Relogic an email saying that there was a terms of service violation. Relogic's founder, Andrew Spink, said that the email said it was likely accidental and his account would not receive strikes. Okay. But then three days later, Relogic's entire Google account was disabled, including Gmail. <laughs> not good. Spinks tried multiple methods to get support, made more difficult by not having access to his email account. And after three weeks, Spinks gave up and announced on Twitter that his company will stop developing Terraria from Google Stadia and no longer support any Google platforms going forward. He was frustrated. I mean, this is this is the perfect example of the problem with Google's customer service. Uh, mm -hmm. If you aren't big enough or if you're not in the Bay Area and have a friend who works at Google, you get lost. You get left behind. And all the shouting on Twitter, I mean, Ars Technica did a great job of analyzing how the YouTube support Twitter just failed him by misunderstanding the problem and giving stock answers. Uh, this shouldn't be the way it happens. The, you know, We talk a lot about the need for human moderation. There's also a need for human customer service. And this is a, a really unfortunate example of why that is absolutely true. It's a mid-sized company. There's 12 people they're in, you know, rural Indiana, just outside of Louisville. So they're they're not in a big place, uh, and and they don't have friends they can go knock on their door to ask. And so Google just lets them drop to the cracks. It's 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 not satisfactory. This is. I mean, it's it's bizarre, honestly. It's I mean, so the bizarre, whole isn't it? Yeah, it's it's sort of like terms of service violation. You kind of go, huh? What did I do? And the company goes, and eh, yeah, well, it's glitchy. We'll fig we'll figure something out, right? Maybe that's some sort of canned answer that they got from the company. Who who really knows? But for it to suddenly escalate into can't get into my email, <laughs> which is really important for a lot of people, uh, and. A, you know, the company won't pay attention. Uh, we're being treated like we've done something terribly wrong and there's nothing we can do except, you know, walk away in disgust. Uh, I mean, yeah, I maybe mean, Google just has so many customers they simply don't care, but it seems and like... Terraria probably isn't big enough for them to really miss it on Stadia, but that shouldn't matter either. No, it yeah. shouldn't matter at all. And I, like Google should... Actually, I argue on Stadia, like, they're just as important as the really big developers because the thing is, is indie games are what keep people coming back to 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 gaming products, to gaming platforms in between those really big AAA launches. And and for them to just say, you know, twelve. Let's say they have, you know, you said twelve people on staff. It's like, okay, well, Relogic's Google account was disabled. Okay, so I'm guessing they probably pay for Google apps through that account, which means now their entire company's email is cratered. They yep. have no way of, you know, having none of them have professional access to their emails. They have no access to Google drive, which could have a lot of really important files on there for them. And it's just, I mean, it's un, it's unreal to me. It's unreal to me that these companies do not have, appeal options that will get you to a human being at some point, right. you know, like a, another example that is not the same. I have, I didn't have an account disabled, but my grandma passed away in 2017. She designated me her legacy contact on Facebook. I chose to quit Facebook last year. I did everything in my power to try to transfer that legacy contact to my mom, which is her next mm. of kin would make sense. And there is no option to do so. Mm -hmm. They just no longer, you no longer have the option to manage their account. You have, you, you have nothing like, and it's just, 
Well, uh, we hope that their uh, legacy account doesn't get hacked. We hope that there's nothing weird on their page. We hope that bots don't start spamming it. Like, sorry, too bad. Like, and it's just unfathomable to me that these huge companies who are making billions of dollars a year cannot find it, you know, it cannot find the pocket change that it would cost to one, add some jobs to the economy and two, put some people to work helping people on their platform solve problems as opposed to just saying, oh, well, that server over there will handle it. That will just process some AI stuff and whatever it decides, oops, it's out of our hands. Well, like, the, we just the, problem really is, the problem is they're trying to fight fraud, right? And edge cases like the ones we're talking about, even if they're legitimate, are also appear similar to people who try to do fraud. People who try to do fraud try to claim that they're, you know, a relation. They try to claim that so they were unfairly banned. On YouTube. Uh, like, and, I've and seen so, people get strikes well, for crazy What I'm saying stuff. is the companies overcorrect because they're like, well, if we set the policy here, we get rid of the majority of the fraud and we lose some of the edge cases. Fact is, yeah. those edge cases are actually be people. And that, that gets lost. They're real people. I want Relogic to get enough uh, attention from this so that I understand what happened at Google. I just want to know. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. if, if there was something a real reason wrong, for the ban, that would be nice care, for him but... to know himself. Uh, he yeah. says he doesn't know either, so. Right. Yes. Uh, well, folks. Relogic. I mean, maybe there was some 90-day trigger that was like, oh, this is an inactive account. And then maybe somebody else posted a Terraria trailer and YouTube thought, oh, this is new. Yeah. Like, who knows? who knows? Who knows? But we that's the point. We don't know. What we do know is one of the reasons we talked about this today is because you posted it on the subreddit. You know who you are. Uh, you could also be the person I'm talking about if you go to our subreddit and participate. Submit stories. Vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, 
Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. CD Projekt Red, makers of Cyberpunk 2077, posted on Twitter Tuesday that somebody gained unauthorized access to its network, attempting to lock up its data, and left a ransom note. CD Projekt says it's restoring the affected data and will not pay the ransom. The company doesn't believe any personal data of players of its games was accessed. The ransom note claimed it had source code of Cyberpunk 2077, Gwent, and Witcher 3, including an unreleased version. It also claimed to have access documents from accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. The attackers gave 48 hours or they would sell or release the source code and send the documents to journalists. Project Red says, we aren't paying you. We won't. We don't I mean, negotiate with terrorists. The company seems uh, seems to be pretty confident that what uh, was being offered for ransom was not worth paying the money. But uh, you know, Tom, you were you and I were talking before the show about this whole idea of of paying a ransom, you know, a, a company who can afford to pay for it, just getting their data back and kind of sweeping it under the rug seems to be on the decline. Yeah, ransomware payments actually declined in Q4 for the first time in a long time uh, as companies mm. are getting better at, at pre-defending, you know, having backups uh, to the point that a lot of these attackers are now trying to use embarrassment as their leverage rather than the actual encryption of files. In fact, in the ransom note that that was published by CD Projekt Red, the attackers say, we know you probably have backups, but we're going to send this stuff to journalists and they're going to see all your secrets from HR and accounting and how you run your company and that's going to embarrass you and your source code's going to be out there and we know that's really valuable. That's the crown jewels for any game development company. Uh, and so trying to get them to pay that way, which is even riskier because a lot of times with that stuff, even when you pay, they go ahead and release it anyway or can't control it and it gets it gets out anyway, which I think is part of what the thinking is with CD Projekt Red is let's focus on how to deal with this stuff getting out and not mm-hmm. pay them to maybe not let it out. Let's just assume it's out there because that's the way it works on the internet. Once that data is yeah. out there, pretty much out there. You got to assume that if they have it, it's it's going to come out like regardless of whether you no pay or not what. yeah it's going to come out no matter what you you just assume that and i think that they did the right thing also can we talk about this ransom note because opening with you've been epically pwned <laughs> 1999 called and wants their vernacular your opening back. ransom note <laughs> your opening ransom note vernacular and also like it seems like 13-year-old children wrote it. I don't know. I just am reading it. I don't I was know that that's unusual like, necessarily. It's just yeah. we don't get to see these ransom notes all the time. Huh? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just seems like so simple. So it's just very like, I don't know. There's just something weird about it to me that I was just like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, ransom note writers, get professional, for goodness sake. Have some self It's just like I could just see it be like, okay, like, uh, you know, here, like talking to your phone, you're just like doing dictation. You're yeah, just like, right. you have been epically pwned, exclamation point. Like, here, dictate this. Like, write this down. Like, it's just so <laughs> yeah. funny to me. Imagining all the executives like shaking in their mm-hmm. boots, like, oh no, just we've been you pwned. are just the hottest. Give like, them oh, all man. the money. 
I'll yeah. show them for releasing a buggy version of Cyberpunk on my PlayStation 4. Like, it's just very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what, what else CD Projekt Red will do. I mean, they're obviously cooperating with law enforcement and all that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they might open source. Uh, I've seen that happen before where companies just go ahead and open source things uh, when, when something got stolen. Uh, I could see them doing that for Witcher 3. I mean, mm-hmm. that game's been out for a long time. I mean, Cyberpunk, it, it does make sense that it's a game still in active development, sure. that they would want to protect that and not open source it. Um, but, but you know, Gwent, like, it's a card game. I mean, I like, I could see them doing that if they really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I could also see them just, like, leaning hard on law enforcement and being, like, crush them. Yeah, so I, just trying to get rid of this. Uh, Real quickly, Snapchat is adding a new feature called Friend Checkup. Shows up as a notification on your profile screen that says, Snapchat is for real friends. Tap to review your friend list, uh, which, as you might expect, brings up your friend list so you can see if there's anybody on there that shouldn't be. Uh, This could prevent people from seeing your non-public snaps or your location info when you no longer want them to. Of course, you can always check your friend list yourself, but it's common for people to forget who's on there. So Snapchat just using this as an opportunity to kind of nudge you to take a look. Uh, Friend checkup rolling out to Android in the coming weeks and iOS in the coming months. Friends list is empty on Snapchat. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm I'm not much of a Snapchat user these days. I mean, I haven't opened it in quite some time. But if I did, I might see somebody where I'm like, oh, yeah, I talked to that person, like, for whatever reason, a long time ago, because I'm not a, 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 a daily user or really even a monthly user. But maybe I was. And, you know, Snapchat's audience um, skews young. And that might be a great opportunity for the company to be like, you know what, we can use, you know, the, the least amount of drama, you know, when, when bad things happen to people who have somebody on their list that probably shouldn't be there and things that weren't supposed to be public becoming public. There are always workarounds with these sorts of social networks, but it's not a bad thing to just say, you know what? Uh, you know, it's sort of like the screen time, you know, maybe take a walk yeah, on the right. block, take a break. It's, you, know? you can, maybe, you can ignore it if you want to. List. It's just a, a simple nudge to kind of remind yeah. you like, Hey, look at that. I've, I've definitely had that happen on Facebook years ago where I, I looked at my friend list and saw somebody, I'm like, I don't I remember like, who, who are that these is. People? Like I, I must've met them at a conference and added them. And, and sadly, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't really interact any after that. So didn't hit uh, it off. Not a bad it's, thing. It's like uh, it's like PlayStation Five. You like log into a game you haven't been logged into for a really long time, and then it's like, oh hey, here's the stuff you're supposed to be doing right now. Like that's really helpful. If yeah, you yeah. like you were saying, Sarah, like if you don't use something very often, that's actually a really great feature. And I expect fully and completely, I fully expect Facebook to copy it and paste it right into Instagram within the next sixty days. <laughs> yep. And then say, we care about you and we we want you to be healthy. So healthy. (laughs) So very healthy. Well, I don't know who out of this group watched the big game last Sunday. Yep. Talking about football, everybody. The big one, the Super Bowl. It was the most streamed NFL game ever. However, it also had the lowest viewership number since 2007. The NFL championship drew in a total audience of 96.5 million viewers. That's down 5% since last year, though streaming was up by 65% over last year. Some CBS All Access subscribers, you might have been one of them, experienced technical issues during the game, probably contributed to the drop in viewership on some level. It also wasn't exactly a close game. So, yeah, streaming, it's up, but 
viewership of Super Bowls that aren't that exciting down. Yeah, it's up. It's good, but not the regular overall viewership. All right. Let's it's, check in with Sarah's next Live With It. Well, uh, we got a lot of submissions. Uh, many of you uh, had wonderful – well, you all had wonderful ideas, but one of the – uh, ideas that we get every few months when we solicit new live with it ideas is one of those robotic vacuums. And I'm such an idiot because it's upstairs and I'm downstairs right now. So I don't have it in my hand, but it is the iRobot Roomba 675. The Roomba has quite a few, uh, in its line of, of in its model line. Uh, the 675 is kind of, you know, it's middle of the road, uh, got high scores on wire cutter. I've never had a robotic vacuum before. I have a cat and a dog and they both shed a lot. Uh, so I am, I am the perfect person to try something like this out. I plugged it in last night. I gave it a little whirl and boy, do I have thoughts, not 24 hours into it. Uh, so, so I'm going to be trying to put it through as many sort of strange tests as I can to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, but this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, if uh, you if you uh, want to find out how Sarah lives with the Roomba, uh, she'll be trying it out for three months, and then you'll get it as a patron. Patreon.com slash DTNS. Well, we won't give you the Roomba, but we will give you my review. Correct. <laughs> if you Important have questions, comments, uh, maybe there's a Live With It segment in the future you just really need us to do, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send that email. Also, shout out to patrons at our master and our grandmaster levels. Today, they include High Tech Oki, Tim Ashman, and Brandon Brooks. Also, big thanks to Ashley Ascada. Thanks so much for being with us, Ashley. I feel like it's been a really long time since you were on the show last, but you keep busy. Where can people follow your work? Well, um, obviously, you can catch me on DTNS whenever I show up. Um, but no, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter almost all the time. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly there. That's where that's how, instead of going out now, that's what I do. I just hang out on Twitter. Um, obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously my new hangout place. Um, and then, uh, I do a comic book show, um, in my spare time. I work with CNET. So if you go check out the CNET YouTube channel, please do that. Um, like comment, subscribe, all the YouTube things that you would do. And then, um, in my spare time, I do a comic book show called, uh, the comic book squad, and that is on every other Wednesday night on Twitch, um, twitch.tv slash the comic book squad. And this week we're talking about the Inkle, um, which should be really, really fun. It's a French comic. And if you like comics, come hang out. Excellent. Uh, speaking of uh, stuff coming out, uh, Know A Little More is coming back. If you're a patron, you'll get it in your Patreon feed. Uh, if not, go to knowalittlemore.com and we'll be explaining HDMI 2.1 in the first episode back. So check that out, knowalittlemore.com. We are live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2130 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We are back tomorrow and we'll be joined by Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 